I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we will have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify wherever else you might get your podcast from. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. We're doing bonus episodes there, at least one per month, probably more, um, and a bunch of other, you know, all, all about all kinds of uh, silly things that uh, fans of doom metal and smoking weed like to do in their spare time. So consider uh, checking that out if you want to hear some additional content, as much as I dislike that word. Uh, joining me for this chapter is John Leakey. Um, I uh, got to know John uh, because he is a touring member of Inter Arma, but he has his own uh, band called the Lost Tribes of the Moon. So thank you for joining us today. I'm sure it's just as cold out in uh, Milwaukee as it is here in New York. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dylan. Um, it is currently, I think, somewhere in the single digits here, and I think we'll be below freezing by tonight. So just another Wisconsin winter, you know. <laughs> That's I have a big old fuck that uh, for that. I don't think we've hit the, the single digits just quite yet, but uh, certainly feeling like that. I was lucky enough to see John with Inner Arma uh, late last year. Things are a little bit dicey right now. That was sort of like the prime time. Felt like it was that window of opportunity that um, bands were really trying to capitalize on to be able to do shows. And uh, New York has, you know, not right now, but but last year was in a pretty good place. And it was really cool to be able to see Inner Arma on stage at St. Vitus again. It was a really cool show. And uh, yeah, you were up there playing the keys and the, the theremin and and on and just adding to that already massive sound that the band has. But uh, leading up to that, you know, what are your earliest experiences with music? Do you come from a musical background, or was it something that you learned on your own later on in life? Well, I think I always kind of was around music. Um, my mom was a big uh, music fanatic. She was really into uh, the Beatles and Motown, which was, you know, a nice uh, thing to get exposed to at a young age. My dad was really into a lot of like outlaw country, like uh, Waylon Jennings and mm -hmm. those guys. So I think between those two, I, I, you know, I got a decent exposure to music. I had an older, I had an uncle who was really, uh, you know, grew up in the prime time of, you know, 70s rock and roll and whatnot. So he really took advantage of that and got to see a lot of great acts of the day. And I remember when he used to like watch me or babysit me every now and then I'd pick up a little bit of something, you know, he's probably the first uh, person that exposed me to like, you know, Frank Zappa and bands like that and whatnot. So there was music around, but I think, uh, I think my inclination to pick up an instrument and actually start playing music probably was something uh, just on my own. I don't think anyone was really kind of nudging me to do it or anything like that. It just seemed like, just seemed like a cool thing to do. You know, I grew up in an MTV era and uh, watching, you know, things like Headbanger's Ball and whatnot seemed like, hey, that, that seems like fun. Let's, let's try that. And my primary instrument is a guitar. 
that's what I started off on. Big surprise. I mean, there's only so many people that you meet that, you know, the theremin is their primary instrument. Um, <laughs> I, I've been playing guitar for, uh, you know, almost 30 years. I've been playing theremin for probably about 15. And then in between that, I also do play synthesizers and whatnot. And that's kind of about my extent. Like uh, anyone out there that's looking for a drummer, please don't ask me because I'm I'm terrible at drums. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't be appearing in like 15 bands? No, no. Or I won't be just, you know, doing my own, do my own solo band where I play every instrument or whatnot, you know. Um, you know, speaking of our friends in our arma, probably is not so much of a secret anymore that TJ, the drummer of the band, is also a phenomenal guitar player. And some of the really technical solos you hear on some of their songs is actually cut by him. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And he, you know, he writes riffs just like the other guys in the band write riffs. So he's one of those, he's one of those freaks of nature where he can try to get <laughs> pound a drum set like Bonham. Uh, he does play bass. I think he actually, he did play bass very temporarily in Windhand many, many, many years ago. Um, so yeah, TJ's, TJ's like a hybrid freak. I'm just a guy who can like play guitar and do some other things. <laughs> well, no need to sell yourself short. When did you what start getting into metal? And do you have like a specific album that you would credit as like kind of changing your direction towards that? Yeah, I'm not sure if I have a specific album, but I was so, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. So to kind of like show like, you know, what was popular, I guess, in my time, like I, I came up in an era where like metal was pretty prominent on the rise, kind of faltering a little bit. Grunge was a really big thing. So I, I did kind of, I think, grasp pretty, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember specifically liking a lot of, you know, hair metal bands because I hear them on, t on, on the radio. So, I mean, I remember like my favorite song when I was like five years old was like Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. And <laughs> then years later, I look back on that song, like, what was the appeal there? Well, yeah, I guess I can kind of see that, you know, and appreciate it in its own right much later and whatnot, but. Yeah, when I was really starting to like get into music seriously, like grunge was very popular. So I was getting into Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, stuff like that. And to their credit, uh, Alice in Chains, as well as Soundgarden, are bands that I never lost any interest in. And I still listen to those bands a lot today, even, and still have a lot of, um, you know, respect and admiration for. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of starting off with like some of that stuff. And then kind of quickly made transition over to metal. I remember in, I would say it was fifth or sixth grade, a uh, classmate was like, hey, I got this Metallica tape. You want to trade uh, your Nirvana tape and whatever? And it's like, sure, I'll try that out. And he gave me a, traded me a copy of Injustice for All. And I think, you know, after the agreed amount of time that we were going to borrow these tapes, by the time I wanted to give it back, uh, we were going to give it back, I said, hey, man, like, I kind of want to keep this tape. I think I like this a lot more than that Nirvana tape. And uh, I just went out and got my own copy eventually. Anyways, uh, that was a really good start. You know, when I was starting to, like, grasp on the metal, it was like 
all the big, you know, the big four at that time, you know, uh, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer were all very prominent in doing their things and probably about at their peak of their, their popularity when I was really starting to get into music. So, you know, that was something good to grasp onto. And then, you know, very quickly uh, grasp onto like, you know, some of the more classic one uh, artists like Sabbath and Iron Maiden and whatnot. So those were kind of like some of the some of the early ones that really got me going. And it probably took me, I don't know, probably I'd say midway through high school. Well, I think I was, a, I think what happened was I was a freshman and I had a girlfriend who had like a cooler older sister and brother-in-law and the brother-in-law was like kind of more from that older realm of metal where he understood thrash, but death metal was something he was having a hard time grasping. So he gave me a copy of the bleeding by cannibal corpse and i just couldn't even compare it to anything i was like wow this is just like some stuff i'm listening to but just like on a whole other level so that kind of like progressed my i guess my introduction to like more underground metal mm -hmm. and what and then i think as time went on it just kind of you meet more people you hear more things you you, you visit more record stores you find more stuff you know so as time went on a lot of my early earlier bands were more of like like my very first serious band that I actually you know played shows with was like a grindcore band called Screaming Afterbirth, and then kind of from there it kind of progressed more and more into death metal realms, and then found other realms, and then all during that time I was getting into different stuff even if I wasn't playing it necessarily. Doom was something I always really liked, especially you know when you, once you find Black Sabbath whether or not you're you're a big doom enthusiast or not you know you can't deny that like they really kind of put doom on the map so to speak so like it was always like you know a backbone and things mm -hmm. that i always loved you know black sabbath and as time went on i got more and more into like you know even like the post ozzy era and stuff like that and really came to appreciate the dio era and ian gillen and even like the uh, the later ones with like robert martin and whatnot um <laughs> the really like obscure like we sang on one album right so that was always kind of there and um uh, maybe i'm kind of getting a little bit in depth with that with that question there was never like i said a specific album that kind of got me going but there was just like certain points where i'd find a band or something or a genre or something and then that kind of like catapults me exploring that genre and whatnot and 25 plus years later, I'm still searching. I'm still looking for new stuff. I'm constantly going back into the past and just finding like, you know, gems of one hit wonder bands that, you know, just, you know, think, uh, you know, certain YouTube channels and whatnot for posting like a really obscure stuff that like, you kind of think, hey, this, this band probably could have been as popular as Black Sabbath if they could have stayed together or had better management or, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, music is something that I'm always constantly searching and never kind of settling with. And metal's always been there. It's always been kind of in the, even though, even though I'm pretty diverse as a musician, uh, you know, in, in terms of like other people I know that are metal musicians, there's a lot of other genres I get into and perform that other metal musicians that I know can appreciate and like, but they don't necessarily dabble in. So in that case, I, you know, I'm kind of, you know, well-rounded in that regard, but metal still takes up a, a huge uh, portion of my 
my musical output. Yeah, I mean, and I, well, that's obviously evidenced by your interest in with in the theremin and and synthesizer and keys. You know, traditionally like not metal instruments. Although I think at this point anything's fair game. You know, I I I love doom metal that has sort of a like a nice a synthesizer presence it doesn't have to be like you know progressive rock where it's just like you know keyboards laid over with a keyboard solo but i think it adds like a nice cool extra layer to 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 the music i was a big fan of the dream unending album that came out in 2021 i thought that was a very cool way to approach metal and i love bands like skepticism that have that just you know, they, it's like someone got shot and fell asleep on a key and it's just like in the background. Saw them once at Maryland Death Fest and I thought they were fantastic. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see them. I would love to see them live. Uh, so like, where did you pick up an interest in those instruments? And like, what was there like a band that you heard? Like, oh, what's that noise? And I have to like, I would like to see what what that is about. There actually is. And it might not come as a huge surprise if you know the history within this band, but um, as a, I want to say I was probably about 15, maybe 16, I was getting really hard into a lot of like classic rock too, you know, discovering all the Pink Floyd albums and stuff like that. And, you know, Led Zeppelin was a band that kind of just was always there. And I probably on some level knew who they were, but then when I actually like paid attention to them and started like, listening to their records and whatnot really fell hard for them and somebody gave me a, a vhs copy of the live movie uh, performance on remains the same mm -hmm. if you're a zeppelin fan or you know anything about that uh, they don't regard that movie very well they think that their performance was kind of lackluster and you watch and you're like man this is great but then if you really are a diehard Zeppelin fan, you listen to a lot of bootlegs and whatnot, you might understand where they're coming from because even though like on the surface, it sounds great, actually might've kind of been an off night for them, so to speak. But that's how, that's a testament of how awesome Led Zeppelin were. Even on an off night, they were amazing. So anyways, in this movie, the song remains the same. There's a portion where they're doing, I want to say a whole lot of love and jimmy starts playing a theremin and if you you know on the album recording of whole lot of love there's that whole trippy breakdown section and there's that kind of like high-pitched sound and i never knew what it was i think a lot of people don't even necessarily can like pinpoint a source of what that sound is they just think it's a kind of a really crazy you know soundscape interlude part but in the in the in the live movie, Son remains the same. You see Jimmy playing a theremin, so I'm like, oh, so that's what that is. <laughs> what is this thing? He's not even touching it. He's waving his hand. You know, for me, this is like 1997 or 98, and I'm watching a video of them in 1970. You know, tours. It's kind of kind of wild. You know, I'm like, this this instrument seems pretty space aged. You know, and what is this thing? What is up with this? So that I think got my initial interest, got my attention at least to like what a theremin was and all that. So, you know, I always kind of was like interested in it. So, you know, fast forward, you know, some years later, I had a friend who actually had a very kind of crude 
theremin. Kind of looks like looks. I actually have it bought off. I'm kind of like a a crude looking, almost like a pantyhose shell case, and it you can't really dial in specific notes. It's more of I guess you know I've always regarded as a noise generator. You kind of put your hand on it, and you kind of like tweak your hand one way or another, and it kind of goes in kind of random chaotic directions and it's fun it's cool but you know all that made all that all that you know made me want to do was get a real theremin and learn how to play it so one year i uh, bought a used moog etherwave off of ebay and was really excited to like try it out and i realized you know very quickly that like it's a very hard instrument to 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 wield it has a very high output, so you really got to keep your left hand kind of close by all the time because if you take your hand off it and all of a sudden you get this like loud sound and yeah, and doing anything but just annoying people and not even for like the right way, you know what I mean? Uh, I spent probably, you know, X amount of months just kind of having fun with it, plugging in some pedals, waving my hands in front of it, just kind of using it more as like a it's a soundscape type of thing than necessarily trying to get in specific notes and whatnot. Then I actually, you know, said, hey, I really want to learn how to play this. And so I kind of started studying, you know, some tutorials and whatnot and getting some kind of like proper hand motions down. Probably the most uh, popular, well-known theremin player uh, currently today is uh, Caroline Ennick. And she's amazing. Like she really can do like anything and everything. And a buddy of mine borrowed me like an instructional book that she made. And I really kind of just helped get some of the proper hand motions in place and know how to kind of, you know, just grasp some form of proper technique. And so then I spent some time just kind of trying to dial in notes, play melodies and stuff. And over time got, got better with it. And I have I have a solo project. Uh, it's called Cannabinal Synapse, and it's very influenced by kind of a combination of things like Tangerine Dream, as well as like you know John Carpenter or whatnot. Very influenced by like movie scores, and not specifically even just like horror movie scores, just movie scores in general. It's a it's a fun uh, little side project I've done for a long time. I like doing it for two reasons. One it's just me and I don't have to, you know, I love playing with bands, but it's fun to have something where it's just you and you can just, you know, create everything from the ground up. Plus, you know, if you get asked to play a show, you don't have to check with anyone, but your, your calendar and whatnot. So it's kind of fun to do that. Um, and in this project, I wield many, many of synthesizers as well as my theremin. And I think that kind of, launched that um that project i was i had um been in some noise acts and experimental groups and i think i kind of progressed to that and it was cool to have uh, a theremin as kind of like the centerpiece and all that you know i have the synthesizers kind of doing like some of the heavy lifting and creating like you know kind of the the soundscape and whatnot and then the theremin kind of comes in and does some like fun melodies and and whatnot so that kind of got me rolling with like performing it live. So this is a good segue, by the way, because <laughs> I this kind of leads up to my how I met Inner Arma. 
I was in a black metal band called Trout Despondency, where I played guitar in. And we did a tour with another friend's band from Milwaukee. They were called Subjugation. We did, I want to say we did like about six, seven shows. And then um, some of the other guys in, in my band didn't want to do like the whole gamut of the tour. So they they went back home. I stayed on the road and I did my, my solo project, Cannabinal Synapse, which was a lot of fun, you know, kind of being able to like switch it up. Like, hey, I was just with a band. Now I'm by myself, you know, cool. The last date of that tour was in Richmond, Virginia. I want to say it was... It was the first week of January 2013, if I'm correct. It might actually been, no, it was 2013. And we played a very uh, cool venue in Richmond called Strange Matter, which is unfortunately no longer there. But on that book was uh, Inner Arma. Mike actually had set the show up. Him and my friend from the other band had known each other and got that all set up. So when we got to... Richmond for our last show, Mike, the singer of Inner Arma. Uh, Brendan Fraser, for anybody who's not familiar. <laughs> yeah. Does he get that all the time? You know what? He probably does. I just don't, I'm just not around for that. You know what I mean? I'm sure he does get it, but I've never been, I've never uh, bear witness to it. But I am completely, I completely understand where the, uh, comparison comes from i bet she he does it's just one of those scenes where i'm not around when people are saying it but he's probably like god so sick of that you know (laughs) i've never i've never been able to show a picture of them or post a picture of them and somebody who's not familiar with them just be like like whoa like is brendan fraser in a metal band now and i'm like it's not him i mean it'd be a lot cooler if he did i haven't heard much of brandon fraser in recent times so that might you know, kind of jumpstart his uh, his career again. But uh, luckily, I don't have any really famous doppelgangers, so I don't get those kinds of persons uh, <laughs> as Mike does. But Mike's a good sport. I'm sure he takes it in stride. Um, and anyway, um, Mike asked if I wanted to, like, sit in with, with, with Inner Arma that night, and I thought that was kind of a cool gesture. And, you know, I was aware of them. I knew what they were about, but, like, you know, I didn't know their... I didn't know their songs specifically or anything like that. So luckily, though, I I I think I'm pretty good at having improv skills. Uh, like I said, I used to play in I used to play in noise experimental groups. I did you know bands where you kind of just like feed off each other and do stuff. So you know, and even in college, I took an improv class. So I feel like in a lot of ways, like just meant. I think you know. I think being able to improv is just like a lot of it's just like a mental game. You know, a lot of people are mm-hmm. kind of, I can't just jump into this without any kind of game plan or anything. And if you're comfortable with your skill sets and just going into like a unrehearsed scenario, you know, you can actually come up with some really cool results. And so I just kind of like brought that mentality to it. And I'm like, cool, I'll just kind of sit in with these guys, kind of keep a watch. You never want to, uh, be in the middle of some kind of theremin thing where there's like a quick stop or anything like that or like a you know a very kind of like on point breakdown or anything so i was just kind of treading a little lightly but i i definitely you know we we all had some fun i think there was a recording of it even somewhere but 
it went well enough that we enjoyed the results as well as each other's company. Just from there, it kind of just morphed into this kind of friendship slash, um, you know, collaboration, you know, kind of auxiliary band member type of situation. And in that time since, I've, you know, met up with them whenever, whenever it was um, possible, meaning that early in the, in the early days, you know, they traveled tight and, and light, and I kind of just would, they were in my region, which was more often than not, as you know, they, they're pretty big road warriors, they tour quite a bit, so I not only felt for all my fellow musicians, but certainly bands like them in this, this last, you know, two years stretch where bands that just like that's how they exist most of the time is just being on the road like they they can't which kind of just made it that much more awesome and special that i was able to be with them when they played uh that same vita show because that was their first show like in almost two years my last show with them prior to that was we did the adult swim festival in la and that was that's rad yeah oh that was a lot of fun you know, Death Clock was was a part of it, and you know, like we got to meet Freddie Gibbs and stuff like that, and some of the guys in in our are huge fans of Freddie, and he was very complimentary of us, so that really kind of I think made our made our day and whatnot. So, but then things just kind of stopped for a while. But at any rate, like I said, I I've met up with them whenever our paths can can cross, and I'm not, you know, take up any valuable valuable space that maybe a amp or a cabinet might be taken up in the in the, in the van and whatnot and luckily i've been able to record on some albums with them i was on um paradise gallows was the last one i was on other than that it's just been a really fun time kind of being able to you know step inside a band that already kicks a lot of ass without any of my contribution and being able to kind of just like add to it and also being able to like be given that level of, I guess, respect and trust to be like, hey, you can come in and play this instrument. And we trust that you're not make it sound stupid or detract from what we're doing, you know? And that probably is like one of my focal points when I play with them is this band is like perfectly good and great and awesome all on their own without me. So anything that I'm adding, I want to enhance it. I don't want to take away from anything. You know, and I also think that being uh, primarily a guitar player allows me to have that perspective. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's just say I was just a theremin dude, you know, like I'm a theremin guy. Like, you know, maybe I wear, maybe I wear a cape if I'm just a theremin guy. I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> John Lord it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, embrace it, you know, go to go to go to outer space with it, you know, but um, in all seriousness, no. Um, as a primarily as a guitar player, you know, as a lead guitar player, even. Um, so I kind of had that that vantage point and that perspective to where I step when I step in with with inner arma, I can kind of look at it from kind of that perspective and be like, OK, like, let's pretend I'm, you know, Steve or Trey or just like a guitar player in this band. When would I want to hear Theremin? Certainly wouldn't want to hear it during a guitar solo. Certainly wouldn't want to hear it during, you know, certain kinds of like intricate stops and whatnot. 
so I really kind of, you know, try to pay attention to the like compositions themselves and try to make sure that I'm not like stepping on any tokens or, you know, just kind of try to find those those little pockets to kind of fill. And then every every so often, certain compositions, there's kind of like this open format where it's kind of like, hey, if you want to go and lead, you know, kind of lead the way, go for it. So uh, that's always really fun, you know, to get those little spots where it's like, hey, if you want to kind of take a little you know, lead or solo kind of thing here, here's your, here's your time to shine. And I always appreciate that about them. And they don't even necessarily they kind of they don't necessarily uh pre-plan any of that stuff they're very they're very organic in that sense you know what i mean like when 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 i meet up with them there's certain songs that i might expect them to be playing but when i actually get to the gig or meet up with them it's kind of like what's on the set list tonight you know a lot of times the set list is not determined until minutes before the show but that's kind of a a credit to like you know they have all their material fairly well rehearsed and or any material they plan on performing on any tour they make sure they have that well rehearsed so that any given night they can kind of just kind of pick and choose what they want to play and i try to follow suit where and i you know sometimes i'll check in with them and say like you know what what do you think you might be playing on this tour and sometimes i come in expecting these songs and i might not get much of those i might get a bunch of different ones so i rehearse uh, a fair amount of their catalog before I meet up with them um, just so that I'm prepared for anything they might throw at me. And that's what kind of makes it fun. I think a lot of musicians might kind of be like, oh, like, I want to know what I'm playing. For me, it's kind of, you know, I guess that kind of speaks to the how our initial meeting came to be with like this, hey, just meet up with, hey, just come on stage and just jam with us kind of thing, you know? And I think some musicians would embrace that and some might kind of be like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. So luckily, I have that kind of mindset where I'm just like, yeah, man, what, what are we doing? Okay, cool. And just kind of go from there. You know, you said it too, like, they're such like a fucking capable band to begin with. And what I what I really love about their music is, you know, to go see them is you hear every single kind of music that they grew up listening to. And uh, for a band that writes very long songs, they managed to really like avoid all of sort of the tropes of a very long song a solo that goes on for too fucking long right you know riffs that get to the point of they're not interesting enough that to just hear them repeated over and over again isn't interesting you know they do things like you they bring you in and drop you in on the theremin and then they say hey surprise we're doing this one you better figure it out you know something like that so that that's why they like i think they fucking rule like and they they're one of the the coolest bands and i think they stand out. that's the reason why they stand out not to mention they're willing and, and open-minded enough to play with a variety of other kinds of bands i mean when i saw them the first time it was like i think it was mostly like pretty harsh music that was opening up for them not that they're not harsh at times but certainly not as didn't have those melodic elements that they incorporate as well that's a that's a great point. You know? And I think that's why we get along so well, because we're not just like none of us are just like, hey, I really like, you know, just like a genre or two of, of like metal. And that's just like, you know, that's just like what we kind of roll with. Like they're they'll they're all over the place, too. You know, like I found early on in my 
friendship with them that they're big Zeppelin fans too, really big Zeppelin fans, you know, and they like a lot of, they like a lot of the same music that I do that isn't necessarily even metal related. When I got to New York to, um, to meet up with them to do uh, those run of shows, Trey, one of the guitar players was wearing a shirt of my favorite Peter Gabriel album, which is <laughs> the third self-titled one. And it's just kind of like, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, appreciating music in different genres that kind of helps put in those different elements. And like those elements might not even be like uh, super strong, but they're there. And if they weren't there, you'd know. And it probably, and they probably wouldn't be as uh, successful as they were if those, those little elements weren't there. And yeah, I mean, like every time I meet up with them, they're always touring with different bands and, but they're all good bands and they all, I think they all complement each other, but they, they range quite a bit. One of the last bands that they were touring with pre pandemic that I was playing with them was the, un, I would say unorthodox black metal band from Canada, uh, Thantafaxis, which is, you know, really cool band. And that, you know, like you can kind of take their sound and kind of compare it to some of the more darker elements of like inner arma sound in 2018 i got to tour europe with them as the direct support act for death heaven so i mean like you know all things aside like that's uh quite a jump in terms of like i mean it's all it's all metal it's all underground to an extent but it's a different kind it's a different audience it's a different you know genre almost altogether in that respect you know, so it's it's different different audiences for sure. And I think I think any you know, I think any band that doesn't want to say necessarily like, you know, pigeonholed in one specific kind of sound like that's that should be to your benefit to kind of branch out and play out with other bands. And like, I mean, sometimes, too, you get you get influenced by those bands, too, a little bit. And some sometimes that, you know, can kind of almost like play a part into like, you know, some newer you know, sounds or compositions and whatnot. And I think if you're always just playing with bands that sound just like you, that's fine. But sometimes it kind of gets a little stagnant, so to speak. So I really appreciate that they kind of exist in this kind of, I don't know, I almost want to say like middle ground where they can kind of hook up with whoever and it works. You know, I mean, I've always, I've always kind of felt like I've always been in a lot of bands like that too, where we can kind of, play with different different genres or just different kind of elements of it's a metal band too just a different kind of metal band and kind of complement each other and you know I always I appreciate that because it, it you know it allows me to kind of see things from different different perspectives like I say nothing wrong with playing with bands that all sound you know kind of similar um, I mean even within the genre of doom there's so much different categories so to speak um compared to like what some people think you know is more like classical doom um, versus you know like the black sabbath and saint vitus's versus like the more modern doom bands and whatnot of like an inner arma or wind hand um bands like that you know and from you know i like all that i like all that kind of stuff too you know i'm not just specific to one or the other and in my own doom band lost tribes in the moon i try to like bring a lot of different kind of like that's a good segue 
you know, I'm really trying my best here or I'm not trying. And just as I'm talking, it kind of just gets that organic segue going. So <laughs> like I said, I've done a few podcasts before, so it must be kind of paying off now that I can hit those bullet points without even necessarily having to like think about it or, or whatever. But yeah, Making my have- job easy. <laughs> Hey man, you do the hard stuff. You get this, you get this podcast set up. You, you, you know, you got the, you got all that stuff. Like that's, you've already done, you've already done the the hard stuff. Like, you know, let the, let the guests do the talking. Right. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, yeah, I have a, a doom band of my own called Lost Tribes of the Moon. Um, we're based out of here in my hometown in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, we're actually going to be releasing our second full length album, uh, March 25th. Um, we just finally confirmed the date for that. It was kind of snagged up in the last, uh, those last few little details of, you know, finishing up artwork and doing layouts and, you know, CD pressing, all the stuff that like is a necessary component. But, you know, once you're, once you sat there with the final product for so long, you're like, oh, we just got to get this last little <laughs> hurdle cleared and then we can finally release it to you know, the public, because we've been listening to it now for like about a year. But yeah, I started the band uh, back in around, I want to say 2015, 16, I, I started writing uh, music for it. Uh, what actually kind of inspired it in some regards is I went to Roadburn with Inner Arma, and I had a fantastic time, you know, anyone. Very cool. Yeah, anyone who's a big Doom fan, try to get out there. Obviously, they haven't had it for the last couple of years now, but it looks like there's a good chance it might happen this year. So hopefully that is a thing and people can check it out. I mean, even if not, like they'll still probably obviously do some type of um, live stream thing and you can at least check it out in that, in that regard. But I think I came back just kind of like inspired to do some, some more doom stuff. Um, at that time I was playing like in a really technical death metal band and I was doing some other things and that was kind of a, uh, a niche I hadn't filled. I had done some, I had, I had a doom, I would say something more between a doom stoner rock type of thing uh, in the early 2000s called Toby Wan, where we were kind of influenced by like stuff like I Hate God, Grief, uh, the Melvins and stuff like that, as well as like kind of bands like Disrupt, State of Fear, and even weirdly enough, like we kind of started off by doing like G.G. Allen covers. So it was kind of like a weird, that was kind of like a weird um, mix of influences, but it was fun. It was cool. And that was kind of my first time around with like getting exposed to Doom and whatnot. And during that time in like the, the mid 2000s, you know, Doom kind of was kind of in some form of revival, it seemed like, or, you know, like. I don't know how you are, but, you know, when it comes to like terms like doom versus something what people say is like stoner rock, there is a common ground. But then again, there's also like a separation of where it's almost like too different in some regards, you know, and I guess if there was like one common element to like bring into it, I guess you'd be like, well, this is all like pot smoking friendly. And I guess, you know, being someone who engages in that myself i guess that would be my common ground with it so to speak you know to fast forward for lost tribes of the moon i don't necessarily bring those influences into into play it's 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 a little bit more of influences i had from 
uh, bands like Trouble. I was lucky enough to open up for the band Trouble back in like 2007 when Eric Wagner first came back to the band. And it was just, it just, it kicked my ass. They were so, they were so damn good. Influenced me on a different level of like doom and whatnot. So when it came around to doing like uh, this band, I was kind of taking certain influences like that, as well as, you know, I'm also like a really big fan of, you know, prog rock. Um, I love bands like King Crimson, Mm -hmm. uh, the early Genesis, Peter Gabriel era type stuff some more like obscure stuff like a german band called eloy gentle giant stuff like that um so i think a little bit of those progressive elements were kind of influencing me as well as like you know a little bit of like judas priest iron maiden a little bit of like merciful fate stuff like that so it's kind of like a i would say almost like a hodgepodge of of all that mixed with like you know with like my doom influences from you know anything like you know black sabbath and saint vitus and all that stuff to even like um you know more modern things like paradise lost um and bands like that and i kind of just try to make my own little unique thing out of it and we put out our first album back in 2018 and i think it kind of had a little bit of a progressive doom element and it seems like some people agreed with that some people really thought it was just nothing more than just some good old traditional doom metal i kind of felt that way about it which but it was it was nice because you know the, you you could run the risk of like you know doing that and just coming off kind of like a hokey reverend bizarre ripoff but you know obviously that's not the case here i think you can tell just inherently it's different structural not maybe not structurally but like your use of synthesizers and a theremin and keys and whatever else plus being plus doing the guitar in the band it it gives you a lot of like ability to mold the way that the music sounds and i i don't really think that it it doesn't dip into the territory of um just sounding like oh that kind of style people might say oh it reminds me of this but it's got like a a bit of a different flair to it and i think that just comes from the fact that you add in that like those keys and those it just adds in enough of a a difference that you're gonna it's clear that you have your own thing going on that's the way i would i would look at it so that's a big compliment thank you very much you're welcome but yeah i mean like i think when in in terms of like the material for the first album um i kind of wanted to contain it within us within a certain um type of realm meaning like i for all the influences i had and for all the things i do i kind of wanted to put more of a border on it because i didn't want to i didn't want to start off too vast in terms of sound i wanted to kind of start a little bit here and then kind of branch more and more off you know so there were ideas and elements that i had kind of in mind that i didn't want to necessarily do at first i wanted to kind of just get um a lineup together with these compositions kind of get them more fleshed out and you know get a feel for that kind of stuff and then kind of go forward um like the amount of synthesizers and theremin i do on the first album are you know they're i wouldn't say they're sparse but they're kind of like they're just here and there whereas like after that i was like i want to do more of those elements to kind of 
I guess, you know, branch off more. So in terms of like our new material, there is, you know, some stuff you could listen to and you're like, okay, this kind of sounds like kind of where they just left off from. But then there's elements that you're like, okay, this is like a little bit of like stuff I might have heard from the first album, but like there's just like a lot more of it, you know? So like mm -hmm. some of our new songs, there's some stuff where, you know, again, might sound a little bit more like some of the stuff that we left off from in the first album, but then there's like, you know, this big theremin coming in and out of nowhere or this like, you know, synthesizer uh, kind of thing going on. And like, I, I wanted to make that a lot more prominent because I think one thing I realized, I mean, I think I always knew this, but when you make your own music, all the little differences and, and nuances you have, they sound huge to you. When people hear it, it's like, you know, it's subtle. So I think, you know, in terms of that first album, the things that I thought that I was doing that made it stand out more from something that was just kind of considered uh, traditional doom, I think a lot of people didn't necessarily like hear that as, you know, prominently as like I did. And it makes sense. Like when you're so close to the music and you're performing, you're playing and blah, blah, blah. Like you hear that stuff when you're just kind of like listening to it, you may or may not kind of pick up on that stuff. And if you do, it's not necessarily on the level of maybe the, the the composer or performer. So I wanted to kind of be a little less subtle this time around, because there were some people who reviewed our album and seemed like they kind of got it exactly from the perspective that I had it. They kind of, they, they noticed those things kind of like prominently, whereas other people, they may or may not have heard some of those things and kind of just was like, hey, this is good. This is more just like a traditional doom metal album. So I think this time around, I wanted to, do stuff that kind of gave people less of a, a thought of like, oh, this is just another, this is another traditional doom album. And by that, I mean, like, wanted to make sure that there were songs that kind of had specific, like, uh, differences in, in, in tempos and whatnot, you know, like, for what it's worth, like, when I was writing the music for the first album, there was kind of a lot of, like, hybrid thought, meaning, like, okay, I got some doom riffs, and then, like, what are the kind of some more of the up-tempo stuff I would mix in with it? On this album, there are some songs where a song can be more up-tempo the entire song or down-tempo the entire song. We didn't have any songs on the first album that was, like, the entire song was, was down-tempo. There was always some kind of break. I think one of the better compliments I got from the first album was that there were times where the music would jump to another part that people didn't necessarily anticipate. So yeah, I definitely felt that. I, I appreciate that too, because, you know, even though like, again, like no matter what I thought I was doing with the first album, I didn't think I was like rewriting any, any, you know, genre or, 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 or creating any new genre or whatever. I was just trying to, you know, like I think a lot of artists try to just try to put your own, your own spin on it and make it sound unique. I just wanted to sound something like where people could be like, this sounds like this and sounds like that, but like they just sound like themselves as opposed to like, this is a good band, but this is clearly a wind hand worship type of group, or this is like, you know, like a, a Sabbath worship type. I mean, there's, I mean, we all love Black Sabbath, but, but God, there probably is too many like Sabbath worship bands out there. You know what I mean? So yeah, sleep worship bands. I hate God worship bands. Exactly. You know, and those, that's not 
those bands fault obviously they did something very right in creating like a great sound that people wanted to kind of just and, and you know for some bands maybe they are mimicking them in some ways they're maybe they're aping them and in other ways they're just kind of taking you know influence and just kind of wearing it more on their sleeve you know yeah so you know this time around for for this particular batch of tunes i wanted to kind of just put more things on it that would hopefully make people be like yeah this just this isn't un- this isn't like necessarily any doom bands i'm listening to it's not it's not you know breaking the mold per se but this sounds like something that i can identify like i guess you know for what it's worth like if you if you're familiar with our band and like it someone puts it on and you can identify that right away then that like to me is one of the better compliments i could take because you know how many times i mean i come from a i come from a, a death metal background where I played so many shows with so many death metal bands and they were all like, there was a lot of really good ones, but really hard picking a lot of them out either, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot of them a lot like the other ones, like, or they just weren't doing anything differently to make it stand out. I mean, it's different people, you know, performing and maybe, maybe that drummer's got a, you know, a better double bass kick and maybe that guitar player's got a little bit better leads and whatnot, but it really wasn't anything that like stood out as far as like the composition. At my ripe age of 40, you know, I always, I always strive to, you know, kind of stand out with compositions and just kind of make sure that it's not just like, that's a cool song, but that sounds just, that sounds a lot like this song by, you know, by Chemist or something. It's like, I I wanted to kind of just make something that I said, like I said, kind of just stands out on its own, but still works within that genre and isn't, like I said, necessarily rewriting any books per se case in point like we actually have a song called a chapter from the book of blood uh it's actually influenced by the the books by clive barker if you've ever yeah, read books it. of blood yeah uh great stuff you know in that song it's you know it's it's like our first time doing a whole song where it's just like fairly down the whole time but like it goes in so many different it weaves in and out of so many different little things between like acoustical kind of passages and like vocal solos and synthesizer solos and you know even bass solos and stuff like that where you know just trying to do trying to do different things and kind of just you know add on to what I already kind of was trying to do in like that kind of you know a a little bit more unique approach in into compositions and whatnot and I feel like with this album, it's going to stand out more than the first one. And I feel like um, people who like the first album, I think will like this one. And I think people who may not have loved that first album, I think will like this one a lot more, at least in terms of certain compositions. And one thing, you know, and this is also like a tip of the hat to some of my influences. You know, I've always really liked bands that don't always have song to song where it's like, okay, this is good. This sounds a little, pretty much like the last song, but it's like, you know, different lyrics and like whatever different key, but to reference back to Led Zeppelin, you know, if you put on a Led Zeppelin album, at least anything past like the second album, you know, track to track, you're going on different journeys. Um, and I always thought that was really cool. Thin Lizzy was another band that was like that. You know, a lot of people kind of, I think what a lot of people think they think of Thin Lizzy in terms of sound is like, boys are back in town or you know emerald or stuff like that but if you're actually like a fan of thin lizzie and listen to realms like their songs are are fairly different from track to track Mm -hmm. there's another great example is blue oyster cult 
you know, like a lot of people, again, like think they might know the Blue Oyster cult sound as like Godzilla or don't yeah, cities on flame. Right. But like, listen to their albums, man. They're every, every song's kind of got a different thing going on. And like that had to do with the fact that like there was multiple people in the band writing songs. So that kind of made for that. But I try to do the same thing that even though like, okay, yep, this is another doom song. Like I don't want it to sound like the one before that. So on this album, I feel like that's even more of a showcase that each song really does kind of stand out on its own, in my opinion, at least. But hey, I'll let the I'll let the listeners be the judge of that. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm eager to listen to it and check it out because um, I did like this uh, first one so much. You know, uh, regarding the progressive aspect of it, you know, I feel like that term gets thrown around a lot, and sometimes I don't know if it's always fitting. You know, just because you play fast and have a keyboard doesn't necessarily mean you're prog rock or prog metal or it's just it's kind of like when people call things like doom metal and you're like well this isn't really like doom metal specifically you just don't know what to call it and i feel like everyone just sort of like lumped weird heavy music under under doom metal for you know kind of like weird arbitrary reasons you know like a great example is like old man gloom like they're not a doom metal band but no one they're just sort of like an experimental metal band people don't really know how to classify them so do you think like do you think that, that that term is sort of like the progressive term is sort of just I don't want to say it's meaningless, but do you have do you think that you people need to be a little more aware of what they're calling something, or do they just call it that because they're like, oh, it has another instrument, so it's more technical. So that's progressive rock or what or what have you. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That term progressive does get thrown around a lot. And I've even perhaps even been a little guilty of of using that term myself, but I also feel like I, I back it up. But again, like, I mean, here's the deal. Music is- Whatever you it, want it to be. It's art and it's subjective. And when using genre terms, um, that's where things kind of can get convoluted or just as much as I, as much as I hate using genre terms, it's also something you just kind of have to like, adhere by to at least like give someone an idea of like what's going on you know and sometimes people's um interpretation of like what that is when they're describing something might be uh a little bit more elaborated than like someone else would think of it so you're correct in that like i mean i definitely feel that way in terms of like doom um like i had also mentioned earlier like the term stoner rock you know or stoner doom you know um you know like i guess if you have music that is tuned down on guitars and has any reference to smoking weed okay all right (laughs) i also feel like you know that doesn't necessarily even qualify it as such genres are kind of you know they're kind of, um, I don't know if I want to say necessary evil, but they're just something we kind of have to use as like some kind of like loose foundation to like grasp onto any kind of like concept of like a band when someone's describing them, you know, and sometimes that's the labels. Sometimes the labels are trying to push bands in a certain kind of direction. Like you're a new age progressive black metal doom emo band or something you know what i mean like <laughs> we want to we want to cover all the markets so that 
you know, you appeal to as many as possible. And I think a lot of times that's what it really is. Even it's just kind of like marketing and whatnot. And that's why, that's why genre terms get thrown around a lot like that. You know, it's, it's marketing, whether mm-hmm. it's just try to give some description for people to grasp onto, or to be like, I want these type of, you know, audiences to pay attention, whether they think we are or not. And sometimes, you know, I've noticed this before, like sometimes a band might get labeled something or just whatever, but if like they're good and successful enough, people don't question it as much. They're just like, yeah, you know, like they're great. Why do you, why, you know, why do you think they're not that, you know? It, it seems to be like if, if a band is successful enough or good enough that people might just accept whatever, you know, labeling they've been given either by, by themselves, by the media, by their labels. Um, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things like, you know, and, and it, you know, like a lot of times, you know, for what it's worth, I've played in previous bands that also kind of, kind of dance the line of certain, certain elements, you know, and a lot of times we would just kind of be like, you know what, we're just a metal band. And, you know, when it, when it comes to like Lost Tribes and a Moon, sometimes I might just kind of even defer to that statement that like you know what if you think it's like you know some newer progressive style doom or it's traditional doom with just a flare of like synth and whatnot and like that's fine like it's you know it's it i guess that's your call so to speak um but again it's just like something we kind of just have to adhere to in terms of like trying to describe something in the best way possible without I guess over describing it, but you know, when it comes to tribes, like I, I've even said to people sometimes, like you know what, it's a metal band. Like, doom is probably the closest like genre I would probably connect with it. But if like you're just looking for for doom straight up, like you may or may not be disappointed. But again, it's kind of what people, what makes doom for you, and what. What, what elements or genres or bands do you like within that? And if we exemplify any of that, then cool, maybe maybe you'll dig us, you know? Or maybe you don't like any of that stuff and you might still dig us because we're not. Well, I, I mean, look, if you ever need to like rebrand yourself, you could call yourself the Lost Tribes of J because literally everybody in your band, his name begins with the letter J. <laughs> not anymore, but yes. Not anymore. <laughs> Uh, there was a there was a there there was the, the lineup from the first album uh we were all jays and yes we had we were very <laughs> we were very aware of that we used to make jokes about it too like you know we could just you know put j4 and that could be our mm-hmm. that could be our name you know just whatever um no i actually for the new album and just to kind of also point out we have released um two singles from our new album on bandcamp one is called Unleash the Berserkers, which is a more up-tempo type of song that may have some reflections on like the elements of like on our first album, at least in like more of the up-tempo stuff. And then we released a single about a month ago called A Chapter from the Book of Blood, which I had previously mentioned, which is a 22-minute auditory journey Um complete like i said with synthesizer bass and vocal solos and all kinds of fun stuff and that this new album that's coming out will feature a new singer and bass player from the first album 
So half the lineup is actually new now. And they're very good musicians. And uh, one of them actually is a J. So we replaced a J with a J, but we had to replace another J with a, with a C. <laughs> so, you know, like the album is com- comprised of, uh, you know, JJJC. I don't think we're going to, you know, hopefully lose any any fans because of that fact you know i liked you guys when you were more like you know j affiliated like (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome or people are fickle you don't know you don't know what's gonna tip them off or you never you know like for any band no matter how good or bad they are as they've like gone on and made more albums like you know it's just like it's just like the way of like the world like you'll you'll gain fans but you might lose fans too you know, like, you know, almost literally any band you can think of that has had some kind of like success and has like made more than a couple albums, like somebody drops off at some point because they're like, I just don't like what they're doing anymore. And like, I could actually name a handful of bands that like, I didn't take it personally. I didn't necessarily stop respecting them, but I didn't like the directions they were going into. And I kind of just, as a result, kind of, I guess, you know, stop becoming a fan in terms of like, I'm not buying your albums anymore and I'm not going to your shows, but I still wish you well and I'm happy for your success. And I don't necessarily think uh, for a lot of those bands, they're even like, you know, the dirty words selling out or anything. They just kind of morph into a different sound that's no longer, you know, is of my, of my interests and whatnot. So that definitely does happen. You know, so like as as we move forward and, you know, if we can get to a third album, maybe some people, we might gain some new fans, we might lose some fans, you know, that might happen with this album too, or there might be some people who are really looking for just kind of like a, a part two to what we did on our first album. And I didn't necessarily really want to just kind of, you know, for a lot of reasons, one being that um, a different lineup definitely produced a different vibe the time that i wrote the first batch of songs to the time we actually put it out to the time that i started writing new songs at the time i'm putting out this new album you know a lot of time has has crossed and you know as a musician you know composer or whatnot so do your you know your feelings your approaches mm-hmm. you know like i can easily say there are times where like i was writing music and i was really getting into like a, a few bands here and they were just really weighing like heavy influence on some of my compositional choices and then you know fast forward like six months yep still love those bands still like them but i'm not listening to a lot of them right now and they're not necessarily playing any influence on like what i'm writing is in terms of music and whatnot so the the wheel kind of always is like spinning and like you know i'm always listening you know like rush is one of my favorite bands of all time and yet, like, I'm not listening to Rush every day or every week, nor are they always, like, in the forefront of, like, my compositional influences. There's plenty of stuff I write that has, like, no Rush influence, you know. I'm, a, I'm also a diehard Frank Zappa fan. little fun fact, I organize and perform in a Frank Zappa tribute concert. It happens every year here in Milwaukee. It's been going for 23 cool. Yeah, it's called Milwaukee Zappa Fest, and... For the last few years, we've actually had a member of Frank Zappa's band, Ike Willis, join us, and he performs with my band as as the headlining act. Oh, um, very cool. And he's he's so much fun. <laughs> Anyone who loves music, they should just give him a shot. Like there's there's certainly at least a song out there for you that 
you could appreciate by Frank, you know, especially if you have a good sense of humor, because, you know, as, as good of a composer as he was, he was also like, you know, top notch with his, uh, you know, his sense of humor and whatnot. That being all said, like, he only plays so much influence in like, you know, anything I'm writing for a, for a lot of music, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a diverse musician. I have my own, I have my own blues band. I play with a reggae band in Chicago. Um, I do that Zappa thing, you know, so like, I do a lot of things that necessarily metal when I'm writing music or whatever. I'm, I'm, I leave certain influences at the door and I'm not trying to like just throw everything in, in the pot, you know, and mm-hmm. some do that and they do it well. I don't think I'm, I would necessarily be one of those people, meaning that like there are certain influences you just kind of want to leave at the door if you're doing a certain kind, if you're writing a certain kind of music and whatnot. So for me, even though I, even though I kind of, even though my, my death metal days may more or less be behind me in terms of performing it or joining bands anymore, I still really appreciate the genre, you know, even like case in point. I always thought Artificial Brain was a pretty badass band, but I never got to see them. And when I get to New York, it's like, cool, I get to see these guys for, you know, some shows now and even got to know them. And not only did I think they're uh, awesome live, but they're really cool guys. And like I said, I've been aware of their music for a while. And so again, it's like, even though I'm not necessarily performing a genre or getting into it actively, I still appreciate it and whatnot. And what influences me to write music is just like, you know, in terms of like, just specific for Lost Tribes and Moon, it's a, it's a spinning wheel. I get into so many different bands and so many different, like between doom and metal and rock and whatnot that, you know, I might just kind of get fixated on maybe a few bands for a little while. And that kind of like molds into like how I'm writing songs for, you know, the next three, four months or something. And, I kind of like how it's for me, it's kind of an organic approach, you know, like I do sometimes come in with certain uh, musical goals to try and do with a song. But a lot of times it's kind of like, what am I into now? And like, what's going to lead me like through this, this compositional, you know, um, tunnel and whatnot, you know, I kind of feel like I could have a riff that I wrote and I could have wrote it yesterday or I could have wrote it two years ago, but what I decide to do with that riff um, and make it into a song is very reflective on like the now and where I am now and who I am now. So I think that's always kind of cool. I always am writing at least like snippets of, of compositions. And when I go back and listen to them and I, and something kind of perks my ears, I'm kind of like, cool, where can I go with this? And I start going somewhere and I usually say to myself, like, if I was trying to go somewhere with this riff when I wrote it so many, you know, months or whatever ago, I wouldn't be going down the same, the same pathways. That's kind of what I appreciate about writing music for myself. I kind of allow myself to kind of let the now take over, I guess, as well as the past. Cause like I said, I do stockpile a lot of stuff and I'll go back and mm-hmm. listen and I'll kind of take like the past and kind of blend in with the future and see what happens there. Yeah. Your success, you know, would part of it does uh, rest in the hands of the fact that like Doom fans seem to be like fans that are more willing to take a chance on different kinds of music and different approaches and like, you know, keep a more kind of open mind about things. And, you know, I know for a long time, 
it was always just like kind of a joke that like you know metalheads are always like stuck into their one corner they're pigeonholed and you know they only listen to metal they only listen to this type of metal and i think that 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 time is kind of like common past as far as i'm concerned i mean i certainly don't listen to metal all the time i do listen to a lot of it sometimes you just need to like put on something else to just sort of like not like a palate cleanser so to speak but you got to keep your mind open and there's just there's just so much fucking music out there anyway i think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not checking out other genres and see what, what what's going on out there because you know whether someone would like to admit it or not a band they might really like might be influenced by like non-metal or non you know bands that aren't reflective of their genre and whatnot so yeah i think it's i think that's the best thing you can do for doesn't matter if you're a fan of music or you're a musician or anything in between um i think just kind of moving around the 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 huge musical gamut that this world has to offer is it should be it should be to your to your benefit because there's been so much good music that's already been written and is you know currently uh being written and if you're just like you know for what it's worth too like more people than not that i do know that like metal do get into different genres and whatnot but there are definitely friends i have who kind of are more i guess uh maybe you could say of like the old guard where it's like they like metal and they that that's that you know and yeah i also kind of feel like there's sometimes some weird kind of like insecurity if like you talk of music that's not metal and you're like a predominant metalhead and well you're not metal you listen to tom waits it's like you're tom waits is so metal tom waits is metal as fuck you know especially with like his his the, the rasp in his voice man you know like imagine if like he he actually backed like an, a metal band that'd be pretty be pretty sick but you know what i mean like there are people who just like they're I don't know if they're necessarily insecure about it, but they just like, they, they're so into like metal itself that discussing anything musically that's not metal, you're, would deem you less, uh, you know, less of a metal head or, you know, less, less true to being a fan or being a poser or some soup like that. Luckily we are in 2022 now and like, those scenes don't really exist very much um, anymore. I the, ga- can, the gatekeeping, right? And like I can, you know, I'm old and I'm just old enough to kind of like remember back to like that being a thing, you know. But luckily, like as I was coming up, like those those genres and those like you know those those circles like were getting more blended and integrated, you know. And I think that's that's the way it always should should be. You know, it should never just be like, a, like I, even even though I probably came just after like the apex of it all, I still witnessed like a punk versus metalhead type of of thing. You know, there was like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was you know in my late teens, early twenties, like there still was like some scant like uh, like animosity evidence of it yeah and like i mean i i think the reason i was aware of it because um i like punk rock music a lot you know and i might not listen to as much as i used to but i still appreciate it a lot and i definitely used to play in some bands that were more influenced by by that genre and whatnot and i remember when i was younger i might i would go to a local punk show 
and I would be usually the only long haired guy there, if not like one of two long haired guys there. And most of the time, nobody gave me crap. And everyone's just like, yeah, cool. But then there was kind of the punk traditionalists that kind of gave me a crooked eye because, you know, I didn't have a mohawk or something, you know, which is mm-hmm. it's it's silly to even like talk about that but that you know and i know that probably still exists on some level still you know maybe even more so in like the smaller towns and nooks and crannies of the world where there's not as much like different people around so like the that kind of i guess ignorance can like still like you know exist and whatnot but i think when you're you know when you're around different types of like music and and people and circles and lifestyles and whatnot like from where we like where we are now in, in today's world like it's just like we're, we've all been exposed to it there's not much that like you're not exposed to unless you're just like not looking for it or bombarded with like everything else that's distracting you i guess you know so to speak but you know you don't necessarily have the like well i've never seen a punk rocker before so i you know i'm gonna meet him with some resistance or i'm at a death metal show and this guy comes in wearing corpse paint like the fuck's wrong with him you know, I've played in black metal bands too, and I've I've seen I've kind of seen that as well. Where there's just some traditionalists, or you know, as you would say, gatekeepers who sometimes are just hanging on to something. What it is, I don't know, but it's some uh, you know, it's some unnecessary intangible that they have. Like they're gonna keep it pure or something. It's just as stupid as any kind of any kind of like white supremacist who's trying to like keep his race pure or something, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to be pure for the metal genre. And we won't, we won't allow for keyboards or, you know, <laughs> like our theremin, you know, and like, they're probably, you know, like I, you know, there's probably people out there who really like inner arma and probably don't think one way or two another about what I do and, or just feel like, Oh, they got the theremin guy with them. Fuck. Okay. Whatever. I'll put up with it. You know? I mean, again, you know, it's, I take no offense, different strokes for different folks. Definitely. Well, the good news is, you know, you and I would not be where we are without appreciating, uh, you know, different kinds of music. So, you know, before we wrap up, have you been listening to anything lately that, uh, that's really like grabbed you? I'm always, like I said, I'm always going back and listening to music of yesterday because you know like even though i try to stay current with stuff and i'm always looking for like the new music and whatnot there's so much good stuff that came out in a a time where music wasn't as easy to find you could only find it through like your local radio station or like your local record shop so i definitely go back and listen to a lot of bands that again i regard like man this this band's pretty good. I, you know, I guess if they had a better PR or they're on a better label, like I bet you they would have been as successful as these bands that are way more popular that they remind me of and whatnot. So um, there's always, there's always stuff. There's always gems from like the seventies. I always just keep seeming to find there's a YouTube channel called terminal passage where there's always a lot of cool, like old prog and jazz, like very obscure prog and jazz fusion records that, always seem to kind of come under my my attention and whatnot there was a there's a local radio station here in milwaukee actually called um uh, 91.7 fm wmsc and they they play pretty much everything my friend jason does a metal show on there on wednesdays from like nine to midnight and he plays like literally anything and on that 
uh, station. There's a lot of really good DJs that play a lot of really cool stuff, like Frank Zappa. But there's a show on Mondays that actually is on where the DJ plays a lot of obscure uh, 70s rock. He'll play stuff that's even like not as obscure, but like he'll play like maybe less obscure and then like use that as kind of segue to play more obscure stuff. Like so you'll hear you'll hear Hawkwind, which isn't necessarily obscure, but then he'll play like some other stuff. A band that I had come under the attention to recently, uh, an old 70s kind of again, where we just got to that whole diatribe of of genre naming and <laughs> misappropriate, mm-hmm. but kind of a kind of a doom doomish style rock band called carol of harvest and they i don't know how many albums they put out maybe they only put out that one but the one that they were playing the songs off of on the radio station i went and found it on youtube and i thought it was great just has a lot of really cool kind of i think there's like a lot of elements that certain bands nowadays that are like within a genre a doom genre try to like grab from those times like that kind of just like that that atmosphere that element or that feel you know what i mean like they're trying to they're trying to invoke the vibes of coven or or something like that or like you know said enough times before but you know like black sabbath or saint vitus or whatnot like carol that carol of harvest band that i've been listening to i think that album came out i want to say in like 72 or 73 or something this has a lot of really like good feels you know and it's obviously like you know authentic of that time and whatnot um that that's something that caught my ear recently. If you're familiar with the, God, here we go again with the genres and stuff. I mean, like, there's <laughs> them a grind band, but they're not necessarily a grind band. They're just like, I don't know, they're a metal band. The band Yauja. Oh yeah. Really like what they what they got going on. Very happy for them too that their their new albums on Relapse and whatnot. Those guys put in some. Those guys paid their dues and put in some some hard work. So congrats to them on that. But you know, the, the new album kicks a lot of ass, you know, delivers all the goods that you expect from that band if you've already listened to them. So in terms of like new releases, that's probably the thing that hit me as well as something that I've seen a lot of people post about. And I finally dug into myself was that Plebeian Grandstand band that seems like that made everyone's list this year. Definitely dig that. And then as far as anything else I've been listening to, Weirdly enough, there's a, a Rick Wakeman album that came out in like 76 and it's a soundtrack for like a winter sports movie. It's called White Rock. It's not a movie about crack. It's about <laughs> it's about like winter sports and like Rick Wakeman did the soundtrack to it. And like I've never heard of the movie. I found it in a dollar bin at uh, my friend's record store, uh, Eroding Winds and Oshkosh, that's uh, Adam Bartlett, who runs Gilead Media. I was there, and uh, he had a dollar bin that had some really, really cool stuff in there. And I found this Rick Wakeman album, and I'm like, "Cool, I like Rick Wakeman. Let's see what see what happens here." It just kicks ass, and it doesn't remind me in any kind of which way, shape, or form of like a winter sports. But um, I found some clips of the movie, and I, I I I can appreciate that more now. But I don't know that that album's just a lot of fun. He's kind of put out some stuffy albums in his catalog, but this album just kind of, it just, it's just a lot of fun. It's got some really fun moods in it. Yeah, I think that's kind of what's tickling my fancy currently as anything that I'm really kind of delving into. I just got done doing that Milwaukee Zappa Fest I was talking about. So like, 
I'm kind of weaning off the whole Zappa train because for about three months, I'm like, mm-hmm. very, I'm listening to like almost nothing but Frank Zappa and studying and performing Frank Zappa songs. So like, I think I'm slowly starting to kind of flush that out. So yeah, that's kind of what I got going on at the moment. And anything else is probably just things I need to kind of get around. And the, in, the, in the last year where I was like recording the Tribes album and all that stuff, like I really wasn't doing a very good job of listening to any like new music. And I was just way too busy with my own, like the whole recording process and getting that stuff done. You know, I tracked all the synthesizer and theremin recordings from my house. So it was just like lots and lots and lots of time in my living room doing that. So I, and I realized when I got out of all that, I'm like, man, I really have been like paying way too much attention to like getting that done and not nearly enough of like, listening to some some new music so i'm trying to trying to get back more into that so hopefully as as this year goes on i can kind of get more back into like you know what new releases are are kicking are kicking ass right now let's see what have i been listening to lately uh you know a while ago i i found i heard this song uh kind of similar to you a radio station in new jersey when i was home visiting for the holidays local radio station was playing this like very odd you know reverb type sounding song and i thought it was sun or something like that i don't know shazam actually worked for once and uh, it was it was a song off of an album by a, a band called gate and the album is called the do line uh but gate is uh this guy named uh, i don't maybe you maybe i have a feeling maybe you would be more familiar with them than me i've never heard of him before michael morley he's in new zealand Okay. He's from New Zealand. I'm pretty sure I have some recordings from that. Is it is like the A or the E have any kind of like thing above it that like gate or you know is it is it like that or is it just like G A T E without any? Yeah, just my... like that. Yeah, hmm. I have something that was called gate, but I thought it was pronounced differently, and it was all like soundscape kind of stuff. Yeah, this is definitely soundscapey. I wonder if that's the same. I wonder if that's the same artist. It might be. I mean, but like when I heard it, I was like, "Oh wow, this definitely feels like uh, Sun took some influence from it." It's got. It's a bit more complex, in, in as much as I was like, "Okay, I guess this is a bit more like actual, you know, music than Sun usually does with their compositions." But yeah, if anyone's looking for like some kind of weirdo uh, experimental music from the early '90s, because the early 90s did have some very strange experimental music happening that certainly helped pave the way for where we are now. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out Gate the Dew Line. Uh, I listened to it on YouTube. It is not on Spotify as far as I can tell. Other stuff that I've been checking out, uh, went back and listened to uh, uh album from Human Impact. I believe there's a member of the Unsane in that band. Very good album. Uh, I checked out this band Sulaco. I thought they were pretty good. Not Doom. Uh, this band Thrall. I enjoyed them sort of like blackened death uh, type music. And then uh, gave the classic uh, warning album, Watching from a Distance, a re-listen. Great album. But it's it's a really, really great album to revisit. Uh, they're, they're a good band. I haven't thought about them for a while. Also, I guess uh, I'll throw one more in there. Uh, there was one genre that I picked up on last year from my local radio station a genre known as turkish psychedelic that sounds interesting yeah and i kind of 
enjoyed finding some of the older bands that had their takes on it, but there was some more modern bands that had some fun stuff going on too. There was a band they're from, I want to say, it, this is kind of weird. I think they're from like, I want to say they're like from Finland or the Netherlands or something. And I think somebody in the band may or may not be Turkish per se, but they're influenced by that genre and they, they perform that genre called Alto Gung. And they are a more modern band doing uh, Turkish psychedelic. And if you can kind of imagine, it's just like kind of more like, Turkish, you know, slash Middle Eastern type of melodies mixed mm-hmm. in with like, you know, synthesizers and and whatnot. I really liked the first thing they put out. They put out an album. I really thought it was cool. Um, you know, it's fun when you find new bands that do stuff you like and then you can kind of like use that as a justification that you're not like getting jaded on new music or anything. Because mm-hmm. definitely sometimes in that category of like am i just like jaded like do is is nothing good anymore and i'm just am i just getting old and it's like it's it's not them it's me you know so when i find new bands i really get into i'm like cool no it's i'm all right at least in that regard um (laughs) but uh yeah that was kind of a fun I, i i kind of like kind of feverishly got into that for a while and i think i traversed most of the spectrum and that time and unfortunately that elton gun put out some new stuff that doesn't sound as much like it did and even some of the fans pointed that out and it, it almost kind of is crossing the territory more now into like uh, edm kind of stuff almost or like whatever hmm. yeah you know which which nothing wrong with that in and of itself but compared to what that band was doing before i much liked more what they were again another classic example of hey like I'm glad you're moving on. I'm glad you're getting more recognition, but I'm not just really a fan of what you're doing anymore. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just you just move on and you just, because uh, you found something else and it's just like piqued your interest, you know? Yeah, no reason no reason to hate. Just move on. There's another yeah. band. I don't have any patience for like when people make those declarative, like I will no longer listen to, you know, classic, you know, Metallica one. Like I'm just like, man, I, I think it's so funny when people still will be like i will never listen to metallica and i'm just like i will never listen to metallica more frequently because y'all can't stop fucking talking about him right so yeah no i i'm totally with you on that and like we could go down that whole rabbit hole too of like oh we don't have to (laughs) i'm sure you probably have done that or you might even have an episode dedicated directly you know entirely to that who knows but no metallica just gets brought up like at least once on the uh, uh like you know during a recording it seems <laughs> yeah well here we go we got one in right we got it in well do you, is there anything you want to plug obviously new album coming out in march um but is there anything else you want to promote not so much but yes my band lost tribes of the moon we will have our brand new uh, 77 minute sophomore album of, uh, available March 25th. Uh, it'll be available for download and CD at first, and then hopefully we can uh, eventually get it pressed onto some licorice pizza. But as you may or may not know, in the last it's been year, hell. yeah, there's just like an extreme amount of uh, backup time now with getting records pressed. There's no way to like expedite that or anything. So we're just going to have to be patient in regards to that. And hopefully people who like us and also want to get a vinyl copy of it, we can just be patient with as well. But the album will be um, available March 25th 
we do have two singles right now on our Bandcamp page. If you go to Bandcamp and type in Lost Tribes of the Moon, we have two two newer singles from that upcoming album. Once the album is out, we're going to finally make the attempt to get back onto a stage because uh, as a musician, performing live is probably one of my favorite things to do in any one aspect of playing music. You know, there's something to be said about just being on a stage and just, you know, being with an audience and having that connection and everything. And the St. Vitus show that you were at with, with Inner Arma, I mean, that was a very special thing that we all got to like share that space again with each other, that atmosphere, you know what I mean? Um, so we are going to get back out to playing some shows and whatnot. Check out, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have the Bandcamp page. Check out any of those things for any updates. Uh, as far as Inter Arma, I know those guys are kind of just kind of laying low for a chunk of this year. And I know they're going to be working on some new material. I think they're going to get ready to record at some point too, even whether or not that happens this year. I know as spring into summer comes, there's going to be some festivals that they're going to be a part of. I will be a part of some of those with them. Uh, there, is, there are currently plans to play some festivals in Europe, including the big one, Hellfest. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're going to be at uh, Desert Fest, right? That's one of them coming up. Correct. That's in, that's in May, I think. Yes. Right. And I think that's probably one of the next things they actually have coming up. And I plan on going with them to Europe, but you know, I hate to say it, but you know, the world is kind of it's it's unpredictable as as it mm -hmm. ever was. So I'm definitely staying cautiously optimistic that in about five months I'll be in France. But we'll just hope for the best, and then just kind of wait till uh, some time goes by, and hopefully all that stuff is still in the docket, and hopefully none of those things get postponed again or you know because obviously we all like to get out and see music and we also understand that you know we're dealing with some kind of crazy stuff so it's there's it's a lot of gray area that we're living in unfortunately and as musicians we just kind of try to move forward as best we can heard that never expected to be doing this podcast in conjunction with <laughs> the world fucking going to hell thanks for coming on the show man this was great um Love to hear what you had to say about Doom and everything like that. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the new album. And I, I wish you good health and, and everything. And I hope you can get back out there on the road. And hopefully I'll be seeing you in May. Thanks, buddy. I wish all the same good things to you. I hope um, congrats on, on the um, success of this podcast. And uh, keep up the good work. And I hope, um, I hope the rest of the year goes good for you. And I also hope to finally... Uh, meet you in person again because the first time i didn't actually know you as much but <laughs> you know so now next time i can like say like hey what's up dude so I'm, I'm already looking forward to that hey i'll be there i'll be there the whole weekend well that'll do it for this chapter of the diary
there's no way that you had any difficulty securing your Gmail address. <laughs> One time someone actually emailed me and said, hey, just wondering if someone's still using this email. My name is John Lidkey as well, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not getting rid of it. Sorry. 